Hello everyone, welcome to Inspected Goals, the pod that tries to improve our FPL play through a more analytical approach. I am Luke and with me as ever is Sam. Sam, how's it going buddy? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Yeah, I'm doing alright. Had a nice um, a nice start to the year, but it's also nice to get through January, nice to have lighter evenings. It's nice to have lots of upcoming doubles and blanks to prepare for, because this is the part of FPL I think I... Yeah, apart from apart from actually pre-season, I think this is the part I enjoy the most with all the planning. By planning, I mean keep an eye on Ben Crowland's Twitter and then wait for him to tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, how about you, mate? How are, you, how are things? I'm good. I mean, I went and did the Crystal Maze live experience in London. That was fun. Ooh. Our team won. I, nice. uh, I I got one of my crystals and failed the other one, but we got the most tickets at the end, so happy with that. I've watched Mayor of Easttown, which was great. I watched the whole series. And now I'm clinically depressed because Rodrigo got injured. So it's been it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mayor of Easttown's really good actually. I watched that a while ago. Again, I think I watched it while we we're on we we're on holiday, and yeah, watched it within a couple of days. Really good show. It's pretty depressing, but not quite as depressing as Rodrigo being injured for two months when you've just brought him in. And the same thing happened for you with Dean, didn't it as well? That's just brutal bad luck. Oh no, I, I don't. I didn't want to use this channel to moan, but I'm going to now. Yeah, because that's it's the two. It's players that are a little bit different, still pretty good in terms of their expected points, still slightly off piece, but still like in the realms of being potentially in the optimal teams. Um, and they're players that can make a difference, right? They are their effective ownership is so low, so you can actually cheer for them. So for them both to get injured before they even get a chance, that's the annoying bit. I would, like Obviously, yeah. I'd be annoyed if, if Rodrigo does nothing, like I would be, but you take it on the chin, that's part of fantasy football. But to mm-hmm. literally get injured in the one double game week you need him for, <laughs> striker yeah. on pens, so annoying. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a pain, well, for me in general, it's been a painful FPL season. You had a kind of good start. And it's been similar for you since then. Fell off a cliff, yeah. Yeah, um, but there's lots of little things. Like again, mate, like we both play Edison, and then Kepa gets a nine point <laughs> on the bench. Honestly, that's been absolutely ludicrous. We talk about that every week. Mm. But this game, the game we just gone, I don't know about you. I got seventy two, which was a small red arrow. But I thought, I thought again, I thought early on it was going to be disastrous because I had Salah and Darwin playing. I think they played in the twelve thirty game. Mm. So straight away, like so much money in those two players. Yeah, your worst You've nightmare like... that you said as well. Kepa gets like points, and those two don't, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, literally exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, the Chelsea clean sheet is exactly what I didn't like. Even if Liverpool had scored and someone else had, um, but at least Edison got six, so he only outscored him by three. But yeah, it's just so given that start, I was actually okay with the end of it. I think I probably would have had a green arrow if Mitrovic had outscored Kane. And again, I watched that Spurs game and came just before half-time. He um, didn't really have a big chance, but just such a good strike. It's just what he can do. He's such oh, a good player. Absolutely. So good. It's going to happen again this week, right? Because I've got Mitrovic <laughs> on my bench. So, Same. I, so I'm starting Kepa and I've got Edison on the bench. So we know what happens. City are going to get a clean sheet versus Spurs, aren't they? And Mitrovic is going to break Kepa's clean sheet. <laughs> it's, guaranteed. Oh, it's absolutely yeah. guaranteed. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've realised that as well. I've got, um, yeah, I'm the same. I've got Mitrovic first sub, Andreas second sub. But the thing is, Mitrovic will score, and then you'll have to wait all weekends. And there'll be a little bit of a rumour about one of your players uh, not playing, or they'll be benched and come on with like five minutes to go, and you won't even get Mitro's points. Classic. Classic SPLing. <laughs> Nearly every week, it feels like it. I do wonder if, like, it, like, I suppose they don't, just like normal people watching football just have no idea of these sub stories. It must be so nice just to, like, tune in for football. Go, oh, this player's playing. Oh, that's good. Let's cheer it on. Just 
blissfully unaware of like the repercussions of just 90th yeah. minute subs and everything else <sighs> even like even people who play it but play it really casually and they're blissfully unaware of like EO for example and they might have Haaland and they've not captained him and they like just sell it and they'll be like oh I've got him on a fancy team and they have no idea that's terrible for them but <laughs> If it, even if you told them it was, they wouldn't really care. Do you know what I mean? Like, FPL <laughs> just adds a little bit of fun to their life. and But they're unaware of all these little details. And they're just getting the players who are scoring. <laughs> and it sometimes works. What, um, what a time to be alive. That was definitely me in the early stages as well. Blissfully yeah. unaware. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Haaland goes and gets 34 points, obviously, the week after. They triple captain him in a double game week. But anyway, let's, see, let's stop the moaning. <laughs> let's, let's look for positivity and move forward. That was a positive though. Harlan getting that hole was nice. It I know, was. like, we don't gain a lot from it, but I had a couple of people in mini leagues who captain differentials. So, in, for mini leagues, it was an, it was a nice one just for those few people who went against. Because um, I mean, we barely discussed captaincy. We forgot, nearly forgot to discuss that in the last pod. It was pretty straightforward. I think that he was the best captain last week. So I'm glad that I'm glad that happened. And he's just like, honestly, mate. He just continues to be an absolute joke. Doesn't like. Just in terms of football, like what's he on? I think it's 25 goals now. And um, uh, Salah and Son, did they get 22 or 23 last season? As By the end of the season, to get the golden boot, he's on 25 already. And it's Mental. only just February. Like He's an absolute phenomenon. Do you reckon he'll get 40? I mean, it's looking like if he can stay fit, I don't see any reason why not. It, it's yeah, looking same. possible. I mean, you, you just have to throw in a few a few jammy penalties, right, as well. Throw in like th- four penalties and... It's He's prob- not even had that many penalties, no, has he? That's what that's what I mean. I can only think two? of about two. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, yeah, imagine if they'd had like four or five penalties and he'd scored them. Yeah, and I think you could. I think you'd be. Um, I think it's probably unanimously agreed that Man City haven't really been firing on all cylinders as well. So there is probably yeah. a world that exists where Man City were better than they've been this season, and Haaland was able to achieve more goals. I think that's possible. You know, that could have happened. Yeah, again, like, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And again, like, it goes. It's so annoying when you like. It was a little bit of a narrative for like a couple of weeks, basically, when Holland had scored like one goal in two instead of two and two, before he scored that hat trick of like, oh, does Holland make Man City worse? But it's just complete. I just think that's complete nonsense. Like it's, it's so different to Ronaldo at United last season, where he obviously tactically made them play so differently, and completely changed the way they play. Whereas City have all the same principles, just have another great goal scorer in their team. Um, or a great and a great finisher, so I think the idea he makes them worse, or as a team is just yeah he, he's incredible, and he 100 percent makes them better, and in he, my opinion. And he probably won't be captain this week, which is interesting because um, yeah, I don't know, maybe amongst more casual players, maybe he will be. I don't know, mm. I don't know. He'll still be highly captained, yeah, for that reason. You reckon? Yeah, I'm sure. I suppose not everyone, although effective ownership for Rashford was like close to 100 percent last week, but I think. A few people put the captain's armband on as well, so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what the mm-hmm. what the numbers are after it ticks over. Anyway, let's move on. So I'm going to bring up on your screen, guys. This is a uh, common sight for probably everyone watching this, which is Ben Krellin's tweet about um, his permutations for the game weeks coming. It goes up to game week 32. Um, hopefully, it's not too small there. Yeah, at Ben Krellin on Twitter if you don't follow him, obviously. This is, uh, yeah, the thing of beauty in front of us that we've got to plan with. Uh, implications of double game weeks in 22 and 23 that everyone knows about. They're already cemented. And then it's 25 where 
I think it's all but confirmed. It's just the double, the possible double game weeks that there that could lurk in, but all the blanks are confirmed. That's right, isn't it? There's no other ones that could potentially drop in. So that's where my sort of immediacy is, is at the moment. I've kind of got an eye on 28 because um, that's not fully known yet, but that's kind of the limit I'm planning up to myself, really, probably just trying to get players sorted for 25, uh, but making sure they're, they're also good picks in the lead-up as well. Um, is that where your mind is at the moment, or are you looking a bit beyond that? Um yeah, same as you really, because I think you, I think if you begin planning for 28 now, even though you look at some of the permutations of the FA Cup, and there are certain fixtures there. Well, according to this, for example, that uh, which is all these percentages are based on like odds, uh, bookies' odds of teams going through to the next round, etc., uh, which impacts blank and double game weeks. But even the ones there that are like 65 to 95 percent, like you just even then you just don't know for certain. You've got so much time to decide anyway. Yeah. But there's so many there that are around, or like Liverpool, Fulham, Leeds, Wolves, all 35 to 36 percent. Like it would massively change my plans if Liverpool do or don't have that. And um, yeah, I don't know that like they could easily have that double game week. They could easily not have it as well. So I don't think there's any point really looking that far ahead because it might be fun to have a plan. But I just know that yeah, for 25 won't play a chip. Um, and just thinking about getting through from 22 um, through to 28, yeah, hopefully through 28 as well, uh, yeah, without using without using any chips. Um, but yeah, it's how you make, it's how you use those transfers now because I just think what's really important to bear in mind now is say you, whereas it's slightly different from like a really random one-off double game week where a team just has a reorganized fixture for another reason and there's no other games, double game weeks either side of it. It's slightly different to that because for those ones, you kind of just want to attack it and get three in for that week and then you can remove them. Whereas um, now when you've got quite a few back-to-back or within a few game weeks, if you go without a Man United player now, that's like probably another player you have for another double down the line mm. uh, later on. So it's more there's more knock-on permutations. So I was even looking at Man City in 23, and I've currently got uh, two Man City players, Haaland and Edison. I was like considering, do I actually like do I actually get a third Man City player? Or if it was a one-off double, I definitely would, um, uh, because that extra transfer won't be used anytime soon to get an extra fixture. Whereas ultimately, if I don't get a Man City player and that's rolling a transfer, that means I get you know, another player for another double down the line. Yeah. I think they're kind of close enough together. And even with those potential ones in 25 as well, which seem, seem unlikely, but it could happen. Um, yeah, you kind of have really to look at it. As a, you kind of have to look at it as a block, don't you? And count the fixtures in the, in that block really mm-hmm. more than just the, just there, like you say, because they're, they're all chopping and changing over that period. It's more of a sky, a sky uh, thing that we do as well, actually, to be fair. Um, any eyes on any chips in any of those future game weeks? I mean, for me, I'm just looking to get through 25, not not looking to use a chip in that one if I can get away with it. And then 28, uh, maybe, but it's kind of on the back burner. I, I'm trying to aim probably not to do it. Is that what you're thinking as well? Yeah, aim not, aim not to do it. And then, but again, even then, you only need to think about it in 29 if you've made when you've made that decision. So yeah, aim not to do it in 28. And then weigh up, well, is it worth free hitting in 29 or is there going to be another opportunity? Or will I need to do it in 32, for example? Because um, I think one strategy that would be quite popular will be to wildcard 33, bench boost 34. Because mm. I think 34 is the other one that's a massive double from, from the off the top of my head. Um, so I think you can work that out near the time. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to get through 28 without using uh, a free hit. However, if like Liverpool, if, yeah, if loads of those games, if all those games, for example, don't go ahead, which isn't that unlikely, um, 
that they that they'll all be blanks. The ones that are highlighted there in red in twenty eight. Um, and we're not left with then, particularly good teams, are we? I mean, yeah. Oh, so, so then, but, but that's the, yeah. That that's one of my free hit. But yeah, was yeah. But there's there's still loads of like probably six transfers to make between then as well. When does the in fact when does the FA Cup fall? Uh, the games that decide 28. Can you remember no, between which game I weeks? I can't remember offhand. There is another graph somewhere which tells us when they come in, but I, I haven't got it to hand. Maybe somebody in the chat will be able, to, be able to yeah. remind us. But yeah, 28, I mean, as it stands, if they were, all those red ones were to blank, which I don't know if it's possible for all of them to blank, but maybe it is, then um, yeah, Arsenal are pretty much the only team that really stand out. Maybe Chelsea by then are firing and people have got a few more players, but... Most people have one or two Newcastle... Most people have two or three Arsenal, probably still by then. Oh, Arsenal. Yeah, maybe people have Kepa. Like, yeah, there's really not many, is there? Uh, yeah, so I miss Newcastle at the bottom as well. People have probably got a few of them, which is fair mm. enough. But yeah, it'd be tricky. But I mean, that, that's where I think there are certain teams, when you look at this, that are, that are going to play in 25 and are, and are going to play in 28 and have reasonable fixtures. So they just become like pretty good transfers if your team's in like the perfect state where you don't need to attack these doubles coming up. So stuff like Aston Villa... I think like they've got a couple of horrendous ones in there in Man City and Arsenal, but given the price of their players, they're probably games you could afford to bench them in. And then outside that, they pretty much play all the times when you need them to. So someone yeah. like Mings or Moreno or something like that could could serve a purpose. I think. I think they're pretty useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so Preanch there, thanks for that. He's just said in the chat. So the FA Cup games uh, are after, between twenty five and twenty six. Gotcha. So you've got you've got 26, 27, and twenty eight to make transfers for twenty eight. If you've got a few players who blank, plus if you roll the transfer in twenty five, that's four free transfers you've got to prepare for that. Um, so most people I think will be able to get like eight or yeah, at least eight out, even if all those red ones are cancelled. Yeah. Maybe even nine or ten or eleven. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be very interesting to see where we're at. Come then, I would I would presume now that maybe the like in terms of engaged players, I'd guess the vast majority won't free hit that. That would be my guess, but I don't know. A lot can change. Absolutely, your best play lay plans can just go tits up as soon as someone like Rodrigo gets injured, for example. Um, it happens. It does happen to other people as well. I'm told. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but no, you get a good point regarding those players who uh, we know play in that game week. <laughs> And then we know playing 25 as well, for example. Yeah, I think there's there's obviously a limit, isn't there? You're not just going to ring someone in just because they play if they're bad options. And I don't think Mings and Moreno are the best option in the world going, but they serve a purpose and they're okay. I mean, there's other teams there like the Crystal Palace players and the Bournemouth players who potentially, you know, that well, they are going to play all those games and then we can have doubles littered in all over the place as well. And I'm sure that they may gain some attention nearer to the time, but it probably doesn't feel like you want to go for them quite yet, right? Because they're probably not going to get many points at the end of the day. Yeah, no, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, like, I think um, Leeds is an interesting one, isn't it? Particularly just because they've got the double straight away. But then it's just defensively, um, it's the the fact that if you look at the clean sheet, shite, odds, you can say it's not that. Like, yeah, the clean sheet odds even in a double are like really bad this week. Mm. It's like they're both like about thirty percent, for example, something like that. Um, uh, and then they've got United, who are playing really well. That's unlikely a clean sheet. Um, yeah, you just—they're they're really poor defense. So, and then, but I think the interesting one is now we know. Sorry to rub it in, but now we know Rodrigo is out long term. I wonder if Bamford becomes an option for some people this game week if they've got a certain setup with their team. Um, so, for example, if there are people who have Kane in their team and actually they're wanting to um, 
I know you wouldn't be. Oh yeah, no, yeah, Spurs don't double, do they? Yeah, and and they want to move off Kane now to redistribute the funds if they particularly want Fernandez, for example. Maybe the route to do that is Kane to Bamford, and then a, for example, Almiron up to Fernandez. I wouldn't be surprised if you go in that direction. Yeah, I think if if you if, you, if we could say that Bamford is going to stay fit throughout this, and you know, obviously with Rodrigo's <laughs> out, then. He kind of becomes like a really enticing option. Obviously, on penalties, has a great record whenever he actually starts games in the Premier League. You know, stats were very good as well, so I wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, you get him in for a double. I think I've got Tony sat in my team, who at any point could get banned, but then also he's got a good game this week home to Southampton. But and then after yeah. that, you know, it's away to Arsenal, which is obviously pretty bad. Home to Palace, which is okay, but again, he could miss it. And then he goes into a blank two okay fixtures and then another blank so it seems like he is dispensable probably after this week or maybe you could just do it this week and go to Bamford you know if I had the, an absolute luxury move then it may be something I'd, I'd look at so I think he could be of use obviously not a, not as of use as well as any just if you're kind of aiming to go three five two after this week and then use him this week and bench another option like a you know a, a Mitrovic or whoever you want to put on the bench and then play not so mm. this week he's obviously very popular for the three-five-two. Outside of that, though, for Leeds, I don't, there's not many options, is it? It's kind of a risk on Bamford, Notto. I don't really think there's anyone else. You could probably say Meslier, just because although the defence is bad, we all know that keeper, keepers are actually capable of getting decent hauls in a double game week. Um, yeah. You know, when they when they face a lot of shots, so I don't, I don't hate that. But you're sat with the same combo as me, Edison and Kepa, and mm. I think one of those plays like literally in all the banks at the moment as it stands so it's, it doesn't yeah. really feel like a need to get rid of them unless you want to free out funds so yeah yeah I think I think one one route that I think a lot of people will go down that I think is probably uh, going to be a big consideration for a lot of people is actually to lose a Man United player in 25 because mm-hmm. they, they blank 25 then they've got Liverpool and we know there's a good chance they'll then blank in 28 sorry they've got um, Southampton 27 good chance they blank in 28 and then they've got uh a likely double game week after that, but one of the games is Newcastle, so that could again that might not be a double. Um, so I just think, uh, yeah, I think I think that one's interesting because because of those potential fixtures, that's potentially one of the teams you move off at that point, yeah. even though they're currently in really good form, currently playing really well. Uh, when those fixtures turn, it's quite nice having that. I know, understand Liverpool aren't playing very well this year, um, but Liverpool are a good team still, and it's quite nice having that good fixture after the blank. Because it makes them selling in that blank a little bit more easy than if they had. That's suddenly a really tr- tricky situation if they had blank and no, then Bournemouth and Southampton instead. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's something I think a lot of people will do. Um, whereas I don't. I, that's less likely to be the case because the other the other team that people have players from who blank in that game week most likely will be Newcastle. But I don't think people consider the same with Trippier or other Newcastle players if they've still got them in that blank because after that they've then got. Um, the definite um, definite game week in, in 28 when there's a there's a blank for other teams and they play Nottingham Forest in that game week. Yeah, I can't I can't see anyone who's built up value in Trippier willingly sell him basically because he just seems to be too good. It just seems like yeah. committing suicide because you're probably going to want him back. Anyone who hasn't got value in him, you could maybe argue for it. Um, you don't even yeah. own him to sell him, do you? But you you would fit into that category. I think <laughs> I think uh, in 25, the Luke Shaw to... There's quite a few options, I think, that will open themselves up at that point. Potentially Chelsea, who play all of the games, play in 28 with a decent fixture in that, and then maybe a double in 29. If Rhys James is back at that point and people have got the cash, I think it's like Shaw's 5.2, I think James is 5.7, it's like 0.5 in it. 
Maybe yep. maybe people will jump back to him at that point. You got Porro, who we're going to look at in a bit from Spurs, who although there there might be a blank in there in twenty eight, um, you know his stats could be so good, and he, if he's a nailed on wing back in that team, then maybe he's an option. He's only five million, so that looks pretty interesting as well. And then obviously I already spoke spoke about Aston Villa, who ticked the box as well. So I think short of one of those three looks like quite a possibility for for some people at that point, but. Mm. I guess we'll see um, if they end up doubling Liverpool, then going to Trent as well, which uh, review seems to love. No matter what sort, well, no matter what stats or status I try to put into review, it always tries to sell me Trent all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> my like uh, my top three. So I, I put my team through review today. I always try and like think through my moves as much as possible and like look at the underlying data myself uh, and and kind of come to my own decisions. And then then I look at review. Um, after that and like it just wants me to the same things it just wants me to consistently sell Salah for Fernandez this week and then in 24 I think it is getting Trent or maybe it's even next game week I can't remember yeah next game week for Everton fixture getting Trent and just keep him uh, and then it wants me to to get Salah back in 25 which I obviously would do if they, if they they double the route is to then sell Rashford in 25 which made me initially think actually I wonder why that is like why would you sell Rashford and that's when I then looked at the fixtures mm. And realise actually, yeah, maybe that's something I've missed actually, because I was really reluctant to think about selling Salah this week because um, I think I'd want him back soon, and I, and I know I don't want. It's more that I don't want Fernandez long term, um, and I thought oh, if I sell him, I'm a bit tempted to use the money in the bank, and it'll be hard to get back to him. But I don't think it will be too hard to get back to him. No, he's probably yeah. not going to go up in price, even if he does anything. That's the thing because of the way. It is. Use, yeah. You don't lose value selling him either. No, I bought him at twelve point seven, so and he's twelve point seven now, so I'm I'm mm. fine. But yeah, I mean that's my dilemma this week really. Now Rodrigo is out, um, he, he's caused me issues because I've got Salah in my team and I I can't get to Bruno from Rodrigo, so I don't have Bruno. So I'd have to sell Salah for Bruno and then either bench Rodrigo or take a hit and bring someone else in. When we start talking about hits and benching those players and, and doing all that, and then I want Salah back probably afterwards, it starts to get messy. But it's so it's different. Yeah. yeah, but it's tricky, isn't it? Because Bruno has got, you know, fantastic EV for this week, and his fixtures afterwards are good as well. So, you know, it's, mm. I'm, I'm really on the fence there. I, like you, I don't really want to sell Salah for Bruno, but, you know, the machine's telling me to do it as well, despite my uh, Rodrigo mishap. He's telling me to take a hit this week. But Does it, does it want you to do Rodrigo to Matoma? No, it wants me to do Salah to Bruno and it wants me to sell Tony for Notto. So it would be a hit to take Tony out when he's home to Southampton and Salah versus Everton. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah, but that will be because I like future EV with Brentford blanking in 25. Absolutely, I yeah. I mean, I've, yeah, got, a whereas, plan, I've yeah. got a plan for Tony later. But it, yeah, that Rodrigo thing has completely messed me up because I was going to have that player as a double, obviously, and then just do Salah to Bruno and it would have been fine, no hit. I would have been okay and then I can literally reverse the move. Um, in the coming weeks but yeah enough about enough about my team there's a couple of questions in the chat I may as well answer while we're here Mi Alex Mika says what are your thoughts on an Arsenal defender or a third attacker going forward not many options in defence make me lean towards Gabriel I've got Gabriel have you got Gabriel Sam? yeah I've had him since game week one I think yeah yeah um, I mean as we've both got him I think he's fine and I think you make a good point because especially in 25 it's hard to find defenders um, I, I don't think it's a problem to, to go either way. I know Arsenal haven't been keeping a particularly high amount of clean sheets recently, but I don't really let that impact me. They're still in the top two defences in the league. Uh, I think if I had the like the choice and there was no other issue, I'd have triple probably attack at the moment. But I've got Gabriel and I see no, no urge to fix it and he does fill that hole. So if you're looking for a player either way, I think it's absolutely fine to go there. That would, that would be what I'd say. 
Yeah, I would say, yeah, I just said I have the I've had it since game week one. I haven't actually. I remember I started with triple Arsenal attack actually. Um, but Gabriel, yeah, he's a great option. But I'm the same as you. I think if I, I think a lot of it depends on your team structure and the other options, um, like the other players you've got in those positions at the moment. Um, I think, yeah, I think Gabriel's a really good option. I would think I would just get him in to be honest. Um, but I would say generally with Arsenal's assets, like I've seen a lot of people. Uh, wanting to switch around, for example, say they've got Martinelli wanting to make the switch to Erdegaard, which again, I get, like if I was wildcarding now, I would 100% go Erdegaard over Martinelli because of the threat uh, of Trossard reducing Martinelli's minutes. But I really just don't think it's worth transfers. And, and even though it might feel like you have like luxury transfers, like this week, your team's looking really good and you've got free, two free transfers. Again, if you use that transfer and do, I don't know, Martinelli out to someone else with a plan to get Erdegaard back in, um, you still ultimately use the transfer up that could be more valuable in the future. So I would, yeah, I would. I, I don't think it's worth switching around, personally. No, I think it's fine if it's like part of a hokey-cokey, as in you're taking him out to get, say, Bruno this week, and then you go Bruno back to Odegaard rather than Martinelli. Mm. I, like, I think that's okay. And I think if you had two free yeah. transfers and you're going to burn one, then yeah, you could you could just do it. Um, but other than that, no, I'm with you. I probably, I mean, it's much of the muchness. It could easily be that, I mean, Martinelli was on fire more than Odegaard in the first part of the season, and now Odegaard seems to be above Martinelli. There's nothing to say it won't revert back the other way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would still be cautious about doing that, I think. I would just question, oh, is there another route I can get to Bruno, for example? Um, but if there isn't, yeah, I, I suppose I wouldn't be totally against that. Mm. Um, and yeah if I was to do that it would be Erdegaard I'd look to bring back in I think because of the value now at the moment but again if, the concern is that in the future you might you might be wanting to wildcard and bring Martinelli in, in the future and you've a lot of us have had him since game week one so there's like a million of value there as well so it's, it's partly that also but yeah Erdegaard yeah he, he probably is a slightly better option he's also been uh, subbed early a lot of times I think people are saying about Martinelli being subbed, uh, subbed early I think that's oh has he actually happened to him quite a few times I think I think I saw, saw a stat that he's been subbed early more often but um, maybe that's wrong but at the end of the day they have got um, Vieira there that they can bring in and he's the kind of player where I think if they're comfortable 3-0 up he's so important to them he's the kind of player they could you know they would look to bring off I think I don't think there's anything to say that Trossard can't be tested in all three of those positions in the front three I do feel like he could be cover for all of them in certain mm. games he has played other positions before obviously he's quite versatile yeah yeah, would you go with them again? Say you were like restarting now. Do you think you would go with Inketia? Um Yeah, I would have Inketia at the moment for sure. Yeah. The thing is, um, and someone mentioned in the chat there, should Jesus early return from injury? For sure, Shaw's a defender. <laughs> I'm not, should I let that slide? I'm going to have to. I think I don't have time. Um, <laughs> John Harris is saying about Jesus being back. Should you worry about Inketia? I mean, long term, yeah, but. It, if he's only just back from a really long injury um, and he's just started training, I mean, Sam's probably a better place to answer this sort of thing than me, given his field of expertise. But I wouldn't imagine we'll see him for a few weeks yet. I know he's a very yeah. fit young guy, but I think, um, yeah, it's probably not an, an immediate concern. The, the the thing comes with, like like me now, I haven't got Inketia. Am I going to buy him knowing that I probably will have to get rid of him in a few weeks? It makes me less inclined to do it because I could just get Odegaard and I can be pretty sure that he'll just you know, he'll continue to play in the team. So it does have a slight impact. But I think if you've got Inketia, there's just no worry for now, right? It's got to be a little way off. Yeah, I think it's quite a way, I think it's quite a, quite a way off, to be honest. There's a knee injury. 
And the other thing I would say, there was there was like a clip that went around of Jesus. I don't know where it was. Maybe it was a match, and he was saying you could hear him saying to someone, "Oh, about six weeks or something like that." This was a couple of weeks ago talking about when he'll be back. Yeah. But generally, when talk when when players talk about being back, like what they're talking about is being back in training. Like for them, that's a big deal to be like. Because imagine you go into work every day and, and you're spending all your time alone with just another member of staff doing the rehab in a gym initially, and then maybe you're on the pitch for like half an hour a day. Then eventually you're doing some ball work and some high-speed running, but again, you're separate from the squad. Like being back with the team is a big deal. So often when players talk about being back, if they talk about it themselves, if they say, oh, maybe six weeks, they probably mean before they're back in full training. But even then, like the, the medical team needs to be really confident that... Um, that they're um, okay to be training at that level for a decent period of time before they're even then consider them playing playing them in a match, and then it's not just then the recovery from the injury; it's the loss of it's the loss of match fitness during that time as well. And so that's why when you see players staggered back, it is partly like precautionary because um, because they, they're coming back from an injury. But actually, if they got if they've gotten to a point where they're confident to play them in a Premier League football match. Like they're going to be pretty confident that that injury is okay to play on. Yeah. It's actually a lot of the time it's more about managing their fitness levels back, because the intensity of like match play is is so much higher than training, and you can replicate um, like some of the distance run and stuff like that. Um, but you're never gonna you're never gonna run the distance or do the amount of high speed running or or close to it in, in a training session compared to a match because the amount of time it takes to recover from it. Um, so when he's talking about being back, he probably means back in training, and he probably got another few weeks anyway. Um, so I think he's probably yeah quite a way off. Uh, from that clip, I remember I think I think he said something like six weeks in it, and that was a couple of weeks ago. So if that's the case, then it's probably another four weeks, then he's in training, and then might be another week or two before he makes an appearance, which would probably be off the bench for the first time, and then his second appearance will probably be a start, but maybe he comes off at half time or plays like sixty minutes. Mm. Um, so yeah, particularly with a knee injury, I can't remember what he's done, whether it's an ACL or something else. I don't um, think it was an ACL. I don't think it was. Definitely not. Definitely, yeah. The chat can remind us anyway. We'll look it up quickly. But yeah. also to add to that, I mean, Enketi has been fine. I don't think there's anything to say that Jesus would just come in and replace him straight away. It doesn't send the right message to me. I think then if he's performing well in that role, I'm not saying that Enketi is a better player than Jesus. I, I don't believe he is, but he's... He's doing very well in the role, so I don't think it's just an instant. You know, there's a pressure to bring him back in and just replace him. You know, yeah, I think I think point. I think you know that send, that said does send the wrong message. And as long as Enketi is performing, um, there's nothing to say Jesus will just instantly come and replace him. In my and also, sorry, mate, I was going to say even more so with probably with Arteta because we just know he loves playing the same team back to back, and he probably gets that from like, um, it would be I don't know. I, I was going to say, he well, he loves like that momentum, doesn't he? But it'd be interesting to, interesting to see whether, like, if he had a squad as big as Guardiola's, for example, whether it would be completely different. Yeah, and I think, I, think, yeah. I think it's also the fact that they're not they're not focusing on as many competitions as well, right? I think yeah. well. I think even the lineup versus City tells you that they were had a slight eye off of it in the cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, they they're oh, well primed to win the Premier League, aren't they? At the end of the day. Um, did I see another question here? I did. John, James Power about Lewis. We'll talk to that. We'll talk about that at the end. I'll, I'll talk about City very briefly. Um, what we, we'll move on now to some of the new signings that have come through in the January window. Some of them came in early. Some of them came in towards the back end. But I just picked a few basically in each position that stood out to me in some way. Um, and I'll be honest, it was scraping the barrel in some situations. So here is defenders. 
Um, I don't. Christensen's is probably not even going to play for Leicester. I, I'm not sure he's a young kid, but I, I put him on here, and I think um, they signed another player, which I didn't have time to change. But again, I'm not sure anyone's even buying Leicester defenders. But I've brought up the graphic there. The predicted points thing is pretty much arbitrary from review. I don't think he's fully ingrained all of the people who's doing an update tonight. So I wouldn't, although it's listed in that order, and sorry if you're on the pod, it's probably easier just to watch this on YouTube. I would I would probably ignore that. Um, I've also put in arbitrary X-Millions figures. Um, I don't expect in all situations these are correct. I just wanted to present what was, what was vaguely realistic if they started to start matches, essentially. Um, but there's not too much to, to look at here in terms of defenders, is there? Apart from Mr. Porro, who we talked about at 5 million. I think when you look at his non-penalty XGI over the last 365, 0.47, that's pretty damn high for a defender. Um, we know we'll be playing wing-back, considering Conte doesn't seem to change his system at all. And it looks like his direct competition will be Royale now that Doherty's left. Um, and I'm not sure he's been in the most favour of late and he doesn't seem particularly suited to that role. So um, I think there's probably a strong feeling from the fans that he would, you know, he will replace him and, and play the vast majority of games. Um, it may take some time, of course, because he's, he's new and I don't think there's an immediacy with, with Spurs games and the fact that we need to target other things. But he does stand out, doesn't he, moving forward as a, as a nice option. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think... Um... Yeah, particularly that those underlying assist numbers are like outstanding. It's no surprise that Conte signed him, given we know the the type of uh, how, how he attacking his ears with his wing backs. Um, yeah, I think the key thing for me is what you just said there, and actually, actually, like not so long ago, we did actually see a lot of rotation with Spurs wing backs like Perisic. It was never that certain whether he'd start, but I think that was more because Perisic is injury prone, and there were just loads of different options because you've also got Sessegnon as well. Um, at the time, they'd signed Spence, who's not really played much. They had Doherty um, and, and Royale as well. So, so there has been some rotation there, but it doesn't seem to be the. It doesn't seem likely that that's what he's wanted to do moving forward. I think it, it seems highly likely that Porry's been bought to be um, their first choice, like consistent starter um, at right wing back. Um, and I think if I anything, think... you're probably likely to see Royale come in maybe in the, the really, really tough games if he really just wants to part the bus, essentially, which. Mm. You probably, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't want to play Poro. But, and, but Perisic is an age thing as well, right? Surely. I mean, he's, he's the profile. Yeah. And, he, and he has played a lot. I, I'd be, I mean, honestly, I don't know. But I, I'd be fairly confident that Poro would play the vast majority of games once he's integrated into the team. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And to be honest, in, this probably goes for in general with a lot of these signings. Like, it's just so often a wait and see to see how many minutes they're going to play. Yeah. And and it's just a bit of a it's a bit more of a calculated risk, and in the same way that it is when you pick your team at the beginning of the season, like there's just a lot more unknowns. But because of his underlying data, he's one of the ones that you'd be way more likely to just jump in on. And five seems cheap for me for that reason. Um, Everyone seems cheap, don't they? All the new signings seem to be underpriced across the board to me. And I mean, it yeah, but it's because they have to do it. Yeah, because they have to be, have to be consistent with the rest of the game, I guess. So yeah, I guess compared to like someone like Luke Shaw, maybe it's not that cheap, but. Yeah, maybe that's something they'll change for next season, which we seem to mention every podcast. Yeah. Um, but I would, yeah, I, I think he, I think he could become a good option, but I just, he's not one to suddenly get now. No, um, no. I don't think there's any um, need at all now for any of the defenders. To be honest with you, I wanted to mention just a couple of the others. Moreno stats. I mean, they're not brilliant, but at the same time, they're not, you know, they're not terrible. I think he probably will play Stenia. I think it was you know, yeah. amongst the fans, it looked pretty clear that that he he didn't fancy Stenia. 
Um, and like we've already mentioned, he does play across the blanks. So I think people may may well look to him instead of Mings just for the the spicy factor of the fact that he's a bit more of an attacking fullback than Mings is. Mm-hmm. So might be one to keep an eye out for. And uh, Woba, I don't know how to say it, it was Wobber or Woba, but he um, I noticed he took a free kick the other day. I think, um, and someone said he may even take penalties, which I, I, I don't believe that's the case. But if he does, then suddenly would be of a, a little bit of interest if he starts to take the odd free kick or penalty. But playing in a Leeds defence, um, it's a hard sell, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> that's the thing. I think he's, he's a centre back, isn't he? But he can play. Yeah. I, I, he can play left back because I remember Seb. Uh, again, I don't know if it's Vassal or Wassel. <laughs> Just like I don't know if it's Voba or Woba. <laughs> Seb Wassel. Um, Anyway, Seb, Seb on Twitter, who a lot, who a lot of you will know, um, he predicted their lineup for the first game and thought he might fill in at left back. We ended up playing centre back, and seems to be like first choice there already. So we like we know he's going to be. It seems like he's going to play regularly for Leeds, but it's not. Yeah, four point five. I guess that's the cheapest he could ask for, isn't it? He's not going to be four point four point zero. No, let's move on to midfielders. There, I've got two slides for midfielders, and I've picked I think twelve in total. There's, there's obviously quite a lot. But I went through most of them that have signed, if not all of them, that I thought would be relevant. Um, and I basically looked at their non-penalty XGI and uh, just only picked the ones with substantially high. So right at the top of all the midfielders was Gakpo. And we already know a little bit about him. Obviously, still him at the World Cup and he's been playing for Liverpool a few games. He hasn't really impressed so far. I think that's the general consensus. But his um, his data from um, the Dutch league is still really, really good. And he's got decent predicted points and his is probably more accurate because we've got a little bit of him actually playing, and I think um, review will have already we've already looked at that across the the fixtures that he's got. I think that's as a basis of Liverpool are uh, well sought after because the potential double and they play across. I mean, he's not. An, I don't think he's an option at the moment, but maybe he could be in the future. I think it's been an annoying one where he like is going to suddenly feel like he's becoming an option as he like settles into the team starts to perform better and then like Diaz is going to come back from injury mm. Jota will probably be back because he's, he's a left winger isn't he Gakpo primarily yeah he can play like in the 10 or they left wing play. but they've been playing yeah. up front as well It's it's been very strange yeah so I feel like he's going to become a good option just as those players return um, so but yeah we'll see, we'll see like his underlying numbers like last like there are miles ahead of any other player mm. apart from Maduke I don't know if you not say as well as well. Yeah. That, that blue <laughs> uh, on that list. That blue, but that's a really small sample size. It, it's not that small a sample size. It's like nine hundred and eighty-seven minutes or something. So it's a de- it's a decent enough sample size. That blew me away. His non-penalty XGI. Mm. I mean, I don't know whether this guy is going to play, but that is incredibly high. Zero point nine seven. I'm informed. I've never seen him play, so I'm not going to pretend I have. But apparently, he is an out-and-out winger. Um, he's extremely. He's extremely injury prone. So okay. he, even he, so. I, I did a bit because I was looking at his data and um, it was like I don't know I just saw a list of how many goals he'd scored and how many appearances etc. But it was like something like thirty appearances over like over like two seasons. Oh really? Okay. And then I read that he's he's missed forty eight matches through injury over the last two seasons. So he's missed like significant chunks with like lots of little recurring injuries and then like one like long term one. Sounds perfect for my team then. <laughs> yeah, so it fits right in with your philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, so that's the thing. I think that's the reason. So even though that's like, and the, yeah, the reason because that data is from the last year. Yes. But yeah, the reason that data set so small is because of injuries. But 
Yeah, it'd be an inter- it could be an interesting one, but they've just signed so many players. Yeah. It's going to take a while to work out how they're going like, to consistently line up or even if they will consistently have a similar lineup. Well, Well, that's it. And he's, he's playing for Potter as well, right? Which adds another factor on there. So I just don't think he's an option at all. But... We have to we have to be aware of how good those stats are. So if he starts to play regularly, um, then he, you know we've got to turn our eyes. I think because that was that is incredibly high that number. Uh, Dan Juma, people know a little bit about from from Bournemouth, I guess. Um, he kind of had some problems of late, but at one point he was looking like a really really good player. His, his numbers are still high, but I guess with him again, he, he's playing. You know, he's, he's for Spurs, so it looks like it's cover right more than anything. You know, unless yeah. they're going to st- change their setup, Kulazewski. Son and Kane look fairly nailed on. Richarlison can't even really get many, much of a game. So to add Dan, Dan Juma to it, it just doesn't seem like he's he's an option at the moment. Tete, I think that's relatively high. Leicester, I think he's probably got more of a chance of coming into the team fairly quickly, given the fact they haven't really been achieving much. I know they've got Barnes and, and obviously Madison and Vardy and stuff, but it feels like they might find a role for him. But again, it's going to have to be a wait, isn't it? You just yeah, don't know. Yeah. And trial raise numbers at four point five is is really really good. I mean, for a player that yeah. that cheap, um, you know, to have zero point five six is you know it's startling to be honest that they priced him at that. But I guess it's because no one's no one's going to buy him, are they? Because he plays for Bournemouth yeah. at the end of the day, so they've got to try and That's encourage it. it. And also, like, yeah, his underlines are really good. Um, so I expect like they bought him to start. There's also now there's a few other players like at that price in midfield as well, and you're probably not going to want more than one player at that price in midfield given the other options at the moment. So you're having him instead of like Matoma or Pereira, um, for example. So that's the thing. yeah, that, that, I think he's the he's the one who stands out loads to me actually. Just just because of when I read into all the how injury prone Madweka was, um, that's what made me think that Trier was the one that stood out to me on this list. But yeah, none none of them none of them are all that inspiring, are they? No, but I think if we go, I'm just going to flip back to the fixtures. So given that price, if he does manage to get himself into the team and start starting games, um, you know they were one of the teams that play across all of the blanks and then all, and then have doubles that potentially will drop in. So I think there could be a Pereira to you know if you haven't done the Matoma move already or don't plan to do it because they're blank, then I think Pereira to him maybe could be something in the future. But it's just it's not it's not here yet, is it by any means? No, but it's definitely an interesting one for sure. Just seems like they could, yeah, it should be five, shouldn't it? Four point five makes it interesting. Yeah, I, I appreciate it though because no one's going to buy a Bournemouth attacker, so yeah. I can understand yeah, yeah. why they've done it. Anything to encourage options, I'm all behind. Um, so moving on to the second slide. So these guys are all below the first slide. It would be an order of twelve. Um, and one thing that was I didn't know much about him. Again, I don't get time to watch European football these days. Uh, Murdrick, Murdrick, is that how you say it? Uh, Mudrick, yeah. Mudrick. Yeah, his numbers yeah. at 0.36 expected goal involvement um, over the last 3.65. Given the price and his reputation and then the fact he's playing in the Ukrainian league, they surprised me a bit. I thought they would be higher, like I'd never checked them until that point. It looks pretty low. And from what we saw of him in his brief performance so far, he, he looked a good player. Looks obviously, I think he's the fastest player in the Premier League this season already, so he's obviously very quick, looked very tricky, looked handy. Um, but it might be a classic case, I guess, where you know the, the player looks good on the eye, but in terms of actual end production, maybe maybe not too high. There's a similar thing with what I mentioned with defensively is just they just signed so many players and they've already got so many options who are forwards as well or like in that similar position. I just think it's just that's why his X-Men's on there are probably only 65. No, they were less than that. Work. I even bumped them. 
Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I'm just not. I think it'll be a while before he's consistently starting. I would assume, um, just with the amount of players they've got in those positions. Um, I don't know. I feel like with him, they'll probably because of the. I think they'll try and integrate him straight away. The fact he's already played. I do agree with you that he's not going to be playing 90 minutes straight away, but I do think he's going to feature in nearly every game at the moment. I think they'll try to get him playing pretty quickly. He looks like the one they want to focus on, like their superstar. But He's not started yet, has he? He came off the bench in the first I think, game. I think he came off the bench, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I suppose he's one, because Chelsea play in all the blanks and then they've got potential doubles, he's one for maybe the future. Um, seven million seems an okay price, but it's just the stats don't don't look that great. I mean, you got, no. I think Gordon's much uh, maligned on Twitter and stuff, and he, you know his non penalty xg is quite similar. And obviously Gordon's in this league as well, so you know playing for Everton yeah. where they struggle to create chances at all. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's quite hard to see where that's coming from, but I suppose they can make a massive uplift and a massive improvement. We'll have to see. Um, so, and also just and also just on that as well, if you're comparing him to Gordon. Like going like there's not as big a difference to Newcastle and Chelsea as there was last season. Mm. Like not and he's far far cheaper Gordon as well. But again, I think with Gordon the issue, yeah, is is minutes. He's just not going to start regularly, is he? No. And yeah, I can't believe he went for that price. Um, yeah, I was really surprised at that. Like I hope he, I hope he does well. I know he's one of those players that's like massively criticised on Twitter because he's got a bit of a reputation for diving and all sorts. Um, but I hope he, I hope he does well there. Um, like he's has he has moments where he looks really good. And he's still very young, so like long term, maybe he'll become an option, and maybe he'll have a good career there. We'll see. But he's definitely not an FPL option right no. now at all. No, I'd say probably everyone on this list is is not an FPL option right now. Um, you know, Enzo Fernandez is on there at five million. I think he'll get some hype just because of his name more than anything. You know, for for his role, the position he plays, I think that non penalty XJ is pretty damn high from the role that he's probably likely to play. But it's not high compared to midfielders, if you know what I mean. Really, in general, so. No. I suppose if he's nailed on at that price and then maybe he gets a more advanced role or something then it's one to keep an eye out for but um, given their sort of dearth of centre midfielders and injuries they've got in that area it would be interesting to see what role he plays but I, I'd imagine it would be more of a box-to-box or yeah. Offensive. and yeah he'll have a lot of hype because of his price as well um, and so isn't a bit so he maybe similar to Fernandez in terms of how, how attacking he is well you can see there from the data even less attacking so I think he plays even deeper in midfield. Yeah, he's more of a creative. I think he's an like interesting a one. Playmaker. He's an interesting one because Ericsson's just got injured, hasn't he? I think that therefore he's probably likely to play quite a few games. I think Fred will play, you know, in the games where they need a more defensive player, but maybe he'll play um, mm. in the other ones. But it's not really an FPL option. Man United players are obviously for now, and we don't want them afterwards as well. So the timing's all wrong for that one. Um, Cerebra interested me because. I thought he was even going to play for Spain at the World Cup for most of the games. Um, yeah. He never really seemed... He didn't, I think he even got a look in for Spain, which was interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of players who've gone for Wolves as well. So maybe he's one to keep an eye on because he's obviously a, a talent. He's obviously a decent player. The numbers are okay. Price is cheap. But again, it's just on the watch list for now, isn't it? I saw he scored 15 goals last season in 30 games. Um, but comparing that to his XG, he's obviously a good finisher. Um, if that is the case, but I, I guess he's, I guess the context there is he's playing for PSG and he's one of those players that's going to rotate um, with uh, some of the, some more of their stars. So he'll play the easier games. And again, we know the competition isn't great in league and anyway in cup games and stuff like that. So a lot of that underlying data is probably against weaker opposition. Mm. 
yeah, definitely just one to look out for more than anything else. It's hard. Yeah. It's a hard sell for, because of the pricing. We keep going on about it. It's hard sell for any of the teams. Basically, not in the sort of top five or six. You know, it's yeah. very hard to make a case for anyone outside of it, which is unfortunate. And I suppose they've tried with some of the prices, but doesn't seem to be very tempting at the moment. Gordon, I suppose, can pro- can maybe play and come straight in for Newcastle, given their injuries they've got. I think there's a feeling that he might start straight away. But oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Is the Maximan still out? No, no. He, back now? He, he could play, but he just seems to not get games at the, like even when he's available, which is... Mm. So I'm not sure what's going on there, to be honest, but... There's a chance, I guess, but we're not looking at that either, are we? Um, I was going to do a forwards one, but it was even more depressing than the defenders, <laughs> so I didn't bother. I think um, Weghorst was probably the only one that we'd even probably half consider, and now Martial's back, so I think that's probably off the menu. Um, there, yeah. was, there was a few other players that had been signed for some of the other teams. I mean, if you're a Southampton fan, they've had a few players come in, but none of their XGI really took me <laughs> enough to put it on here, so I didn't really bother. Forrester made another million signings as well. AU again today. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. There's just too many players to even think about them at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, in, in general, it wasn't a particularly... In FPL-wise, there was just not a really a standout player, was there, uh, in terms of putting new players to the league um, this year? No. I wouldn't say so. Um, but it's still helpful. It's still interesting to go over them. And then, like, in 10 game weeks' time, it'll be interesting to look back and think, oh... And just, just, just be interesting to see you know, if, if uh, any of them then became FPL options. Indeed. Uh, Priyansh says that no player lost more possession in the final third during this year's Champions League group stage than Mudrik. So, loses the ball a lot, apparently. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting. But I wonder, if, I wonder how much of that is like shooting. Like, does that count as losing possession if you have a shot and then as a result of that it's blocked, for example? Yeah, I would imagine so. But it, yeah. he's also drib- dribbling a lot, isn't he? So if you dribble yeah, a hell of a like, lot, you're going to lose the ball. But I imagine, like, um, I mean, that's really common, isn't it? With players like Salah loses the ball all the time. Yeah, that's but why you just Hazard... know he's going to have one or two moments where he then scores. Yeah, that's why um, Hazard was a bit of a phenomenon because he dribbled all the time, but he rarely ever lost the ball. Yeah. He's quite unique in that area. He's like, yeah, Hazard's just fall from. From the moment he like arrived in Real Madrid was crazy. It happens a lot, doesn't it? Players go from the Premier so... League to Real Madrid and then just end up not being that good. He was just phenomenal, wasn't he? And then he just suddenly was bad. <laughs> yeah, remarkable, really. You never can tell. Um, should we move on to Man City and then go over some Twitter questions? Absolutely. We're going to try and fire through this. I've just switched over. Now, this isn't the team I expect to play Spurs before anyone jumps out and starts having a panic attack, although... You know, I think it could be one of these teams. This is just a general sort of chat around Man City and how they're playing at the moment. And you're probably seeing it well documented by everyone because it's a, it's a popular topic that they've moved to this kind of setup in play where they have the three defenders, you have the two in midfield where one of the fullbacks is inverted, they've got the two aggressive eights, the two wide men, and then Haaland up top. Now, Pep can play other formations, obviously, and he does do quite often. Um, however, selling Cancelo has limited them a little bit in that area. They don't really have as many options now to, to mess with it. And I'm going to show another slide in a minute with another option that they can do with a flat four. Um, just to talk through it. So Edison in goal, you know, I don't expect that to change, but he hasn't been great, so maybe. Uh, the injury to Stones is kind of annoying because that means uh, Akanji is pretty much the only player I think he would play in that right 
centre-back role because he can drift over to right-back more comfortably than Diaz. He's also better on the ball than Diaz and it's better to have better passes on the outside positions. That's what Pep likes. Diaz, when he gets dragged out of position, isn't as useful. So although he favours Akanji in the central centre-back role and he has done for most of the season, he doesn't really seem to have much of an option but to put him out to the right-sided centre-back. Uh, Akanji's been pretty nailed ever since he's come on. I think he's missed one game and now Stones is out. That just adds to it. So if you want a player who's going to play at the back for Man City, you know, no one is totally nailed. Obviously, the fact that he has played so many games mean that he could just have one for rest's sake rather than anything tactical. But Akanji is probably the, the top of the pile in terms of almost na almost nailed on to play at the moment. I think the team on the left you can see there where you've got Ake as the left centre-back is uh, useful because obviously he's their best left-back as well and defensively he's been immaculate. Um, so I think that's probably the go-to in most games. However, in some of the easier games, that team on the right, where you see Laporte in the left centre-back role, may play ahead of Ake simply because he offers better passing. And we saw that in the home game versus Wolves, where, I mean, I was, I was saying on my pod beforehand, I think he will favour the, um, the fact that they're the home game, heavily favoured, heavy possession team, not too worried about their attacking output. He'll look for the progressive passing. And as a result, he played Laporte over Ake. When he does that, I think Diaz, his organisation, the fact that he's... You know, he's kind of the leader in that team and he's still on his way back, will probably play in the central role. Um, there's there's all sorts of things going on here. Pep doesn't like to have, for example, Ake and Diaz. I wouldn't thought he'd like those two together because it's two players who aren't the very best on the ball. You know, he likes to have at least two players that are quite good on the ball and he likes to have a little bit of pace as well. So he'll mix it up depending on the opponent is what I'm getting at. Um, I also think in this setup here, you'll see where Lewis is in midfield. Walker can play that role in midfield. Like he was playing in midfield before Lewis was a thing. It's happened numerous times before. So, you know, he's not nailed by any by any means. I think he made a comment very recently that people may have seen on Twitter where uh, he said that if the other team goes man to man, then Lewis isn't, isn't the best option. Um, Walker is better in that scenario. So if he thinks the other team will literally mark him up man-to-man, -man, he will play Walker, and either as a traditional right-back or even in midfield, and he won't use Lewis. Spurs didn't play that way last time they played, so I imagine he'll probably play him again. Um, in fact, the team on the left, the fact that Stones is out, was pretty much the team that plays Spurs, apart from Alvarez played instead of De Bruyne. And that's what I was getting at uh, next, is the fact that um, I think this week it's not absolutely nailed that De Bruyne plays. I mean, they won that game 4-2 without De Bruyne, and Alvarez played that role. Alvarez again made the difference recently with his shot that they scored from uh, on the rebound, mm. and he was great, and he was praised again. The only caveat I'll have to that is De Bruyne mistraining in the lead-up to that Spurs game. So you, you could say that he wasn't fully fit or he wasn't completely available. So it's not a, a complete nailed-on. But I think, yeah. there's an, I think there's enough doubt to say that for this game, you can't say for sure that De Bruyne will play it. I think he probably will, but it's it's not for sure. So I think those that were sat with De Bruyne in their team and they're umming and ahhing whether to go to Bruno this week or do the hokey-cokey in any way, I think with that on top, with the slight doubt around him playing, I'd be inclined to make that move. Interesting. Yeah. I but think... the, double, the double the following week does make it easier. It also counteracts that though, doesn't it? <laughs> It does, but I suppose if, that's why I say hokey-cokey if you want to bring him back in, but then you don't necessarily have to go to De Bruyne after that. You can maybe go to Mara's, right? Um, True. It opens up your options. Yeah. I think Gund where Gundogan is, he's the best of the aggressive eight, but Silver we know can play that role, so he can come in. He's, he's not really an option as a result of that. And then you've got Grealish, Haaland, Mares across the front. We know that uh, at the moment Grealish is ahead of Foden, and Foden's got the injury as well, so it's fairly secure there, but 
you can't get conned into thinking that Grealish is going to play when Foden's fully back. They will rotate there, so I, d- I don't think either of them are an option, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and Mares is pretty secure. I mean, he's he's playing so well. Um, my issue with Mares is the fact that he always plays the Champions League games, and then if he's playing every game and the Champions League games, although I think he can do it. I think there will inevitably come a time we will get a rest and Bernardo Silva is probably the only other player in their team at the moment who can really play that role. Like Foden can, but he seems reluctant to use it. But I think that's fine, right? If Silva comes in for Mares like one game in the future, it's, it's not really that much of a problem. So I still think Mares is just a really good option at the moment. Yeah. So a couple, couple of questions. So in terms of defensively, Laporte can play in those two different... can potentially play either at the centre of the three or the left of the three. Yeah. And do not think that makes him more nailed than Ikanji? Um, I don't because he's there's other things going on with Laporte. The fact that he apparently maybe wants to leave, the fact that he's not particularly yeah. happy, the fact that he's heavily injury prone and it's been mentioned quite a, quite a few times recently he can't necessarily play games in quick succession. He is a great player though, so there's there's other things going on, but I wouldn't trust it fully. Like he could play um Diaz and Ake. I'm saying I don't think he will, but he he could yeah. do. He could do. Like it Against Spurs, for example, where Kane have got a threat and they are away from home, it would make sense, you know, for him to say, okay, I don't favour the build-up in this game. I'm going to favour, you know, the aerial threat, and I'm going to play Ake and DS alongside Akanji, and then that will try and counteract their set pieces and their aerial threat. Like, it just depends what he what he feels for that particular week. We all know that none of them are nailed as a result, and we can't comfortably say Laporte's just going to start playing again because we haven't seen it yet, where he starts back to back in games. And do you think that um, my other question was going to be? Um... This this formation they're playing at the moment. Do you feel like that's pretty much cemented, particularly with the sale of Cancelo? I mean, they they've got so many centre backs, so playing three at the back just makes more sense at the moment, given the lack of depth uh, on either side. I mean, it's it's going to be his go-to in most games because it's the yeah. players he's got available and, it, and it's how he's making it work. But if they if they don't perform, then Pep will look to ways to change it. He always does, and that brings me on to the other team that I've just brought up on the slide now, which is when they look for a more flat, a flatter four. And I do think they will still do that. Um, the fact they've lost Cancelo doesn't help it particularly, but they can play it with Ake at left-back and Walker at right-back. You know, and Walker, although I said he can play the Lewis Rowe in midfield, he obviously can play at full-back. And when that usually happens, he'll use Bernardo Silva in the pivot rather than Gundogan, yeah. and he drops back into it like we saw most of last season. So yeah. that's an example on the, on the screen here. And we saw Ake getting forward a little bit more, obviously scored in the cup annoyingly for us. So, you know, I don't think he's a great attacking fullback by any means, but it's not out of the realms of impossibility for him to just move forward in that role as, because they're just so ball dominant and move up the pitch. You know, he, he can perform that role. But I think if they yeah. do play a flatter four, Ake's much better than Laporte in that role. You know, if they're not going to shift, mm. there will be some natural shifting into the three because yeah, that's just yeah. what they do. But Interesting. Yeah. And then um, Seamus had a question in the chat. Um, is Walker a potential in Akanji's position versus Tottenham and Son? I guess that's particularly because of Son's pace. He's asking that. Yeah, he is. He is, but the same. Absolutely, he could be, um, and he can play that right centre back role. But um, I mean, he didn't in the in the other game, and in the past mm-hmm. he's played Walker versus Spurs multiple times and people said that was the reason and Spurs have managed to score and Sun absolutely dump on Man City nearly every time they play so I don't think uh, Pep will just do it for that reason he doesn't he, he likes to see where the spaces are and how to attack the team rather than match up an opponent I think that comes afterwards and he likes yeah. to try and stop the opponent even getting in the position to counter 
So we'd rather Sun just didn't get the ball and we didn't lose it and therefore there was a transition in the first place than all oh, Sun's countering, I need pace to try and stop him now. He, he kind of wants to stop it at the source. So although it can happen and probably even more likely because they're away from home, I wouldn't say it's you know it's likely as a result of just because he's fast. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, that all makes. Uh, there wasn't anything else I wanted to ask about it, mate. That all makes sense. Do you think it's getting? In fact, do you think it's becoming easier to predict as the season's gone on? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it always get it always gets easier as it goes on because you start to learn what his preferences are for certain matchups. We've got some interesting games coming up where it'll be trickier, where it's like Bournemouth and stuff. And you know, I've got Ake sat in my team, like, and I I don't see any reason to move him because if he play if it's a flat back four, I think Ake will play, and I think in most of the games Ake will play in the three. But it's just those easier home games, like a game versus Bournemouth, for example. Do I think Ake will play, or do I think he'll go for a passing player? I think it's more likely he probably doesn't. And that's the annoying part of owning him, right? But it just takes too much surgery. Again, if you if you ask me who's the best three to have, I, I think it's Edison, Mares, and Haaland. I think those are the three best to have. You know, De Bruyne's absolutely fine, but I just I've never liked him as an option. As I always say, he's too expensive for me, and I think this week this week is a slight risk. But I think those three are the best. And then if Mares becomes a, a problem when Champions League starts or he falls out of form, then you just get rid of it. But I'm happy to keep Ake for now. Yeah. Well, FPL Zahar is asking who's the most reliable defender, but he's just joined, so he's probably missed you say that. Yeah. So to conclude, you would say Akanji, then Ake, then Laporte at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's Akanji at the moment. I think when Stones comes back, you have to have another another round of where everyone's at at the moment, which is always the way with Pep. It's always at the moment. So at the moment, yeah. it's Akanji. I think Ake's not too far behind. Yeah. We actually have a question from Andy Let's Talk FPL in, on Twitter, which relates to this. He said, if you were to keep Ake, what would your hope slash expectation be? Extra fixture in 23 and one in 25, but does it matter if he's not nailed? So, you know, Because he's got the extra fixture, does it matter if he's not nailed if you think you can guarantee at least one start or maybe three out of four within those two doubles? I don't think it matters particularly. I think he, I mean, he could just play all of them. I mean, let's just, let's, let's do it now. So, uh, it's not two doubles, sorry. It's a double, and then he plays one of those blank. Yeah. Yeah. The th- the thing with Ake is he he could bring him on if let's say he doesn't start. He starts with Laporte for passing, and then they're two one up, and it's the final five minutes. He could bring Ake on because he's much better defensively. Like he's done that with Diaz a few times before because of the role. So that that's the slight worry. I know Ake's barely been used as a sub, but don't let that put you you know think make you think that it just wouldn't happen because if they're if they're under the cosh, then Ake's the the better defender. So I think he would actually come on in those scenarios. So that is a slight worry. But if we, if we look at the fixtures, right, I think he probably plays Spurs this week, Ake. I think after that, we've got home to Aston Villa, where I'd say he's a slight risk because it's similar to the home Wolves game. Ball dominant, you know, home game. Could he use Laporte in the left centre-back role? Things may change by then in terms of who's fit. Maybe uses the flat four and therefore Ake would get the game. But is it enough for me to take him out? No. And then away to Arsenal, I don't think there's any doubt he plays that game. We saw how well he handled Saka. He was man of the match in that game. I mean, there's, there's literally no doubt in my mind that if he's fit, he plays the Arsenal game. And you, you mm. just have to, you just have to do it like that, which is the annoying thing about him. Is like yeah. then it's away to Forest. Do you need Ake away to away for Forest? Potentially not. So I think he's he's enough of a worry where you start to <laughs> you start to consider it away to Bournemouth. Do you need Ake? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you do. So I've got him for now, but we'll have to see how it goes. I think I might end up taking him out eventually. Nice. Nice. Um, should we move on to some Twitter questions? 
Yeah, let's do it. I think we probably answered a few of them, but we can finish up. We have we've we've answered most of them actually. Um, but we can use them, and then we'll go we'll go through some of these, then we'll just quickly discuss captaincy, and then that'll be us, I think. But most of them we've answered already. Yeah, Mara has answered that. Oh yeah, Martial's an interesting one. So some people will have Martial because they'll have bought him for the last uh, double that Man United had. Um, this person said, um, "This is Jorgen. This is Jorgen on Twitter." Martial, surely he's a sell when you can get triple Man United with other players. What do you think? Um, I actually think Martial is probably a hold for me. I think the only time it wouldn't be would be... Oh, it's tricky. Maybe it's not as obvious as I think it is. I've been doubting myself all day. I kind of tweeted this morning saying that like he's the ultimate don't buy, don't sell player. And I still think if I had him, I probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't sell him. Um, but I don't think it's as obvious, don't think it's as, obvious as I thought it was. I think you've summed um, it up. Just, just don't buy, don't sell. If you've got him, you've you got. Think I... If you've got him, you've got to play him now because he's yeah. he has a chance to feature in two games. I don't. I don't think he won't feature in both games. I think he probably starts one and comes off the bench in the other. So, mm. so how can you sell yeah, a player? And, and the fixtures are both good. Yeah, he could even be on penalties, right? I mean, I don't think he is, but he he has taken penalties before when those players are on the pitch. So seems unlikely. It does seem unlikely, but it's still yeah. it's still also a position at the moment that is hard to find options in, the forward option. Yeah, so. need to back myself a bit more. Don't buy, don't sell. Don't buy it. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> I think afterwards you get rid of him. It's no-brainer after that, but this week... I think what was making me doubt myself was just thinking, if you've got two free transfers, not, else, not a lot else to do and you really want Fernandez, that's the way to do it. And then thinking about the fact that like Bamford's now maybe a potential replacement, but yeah, it's just using again. It's what I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. It's using another transfer that could be used to get a Man City player, for example, or to avoid an extra player who blanks, mm. or not having to field a player who'd rather bench in uh, twenty-five whenever that blank is as well. Um, um, let's have a look. We've answered almost all FPL flat flapjack FPL says it's Almer on the still essential. Yeah. I think he's a, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but a bit. in all seriousness, probably a good time to sell him. <laughs> he's never been essential either. No, I think that's what he's getting at, isn't he? No, he's never been essential for us. But I'm glad to see he stopped scoring. I mean, it's it, it's been very painful every week. Um, yeah. I, it's funny though. Now that everyone wants to get rid of him, and wants to sell him, I, I want every like I want to sort of fight his case and say he's a good option. <laughs> it's just like that. I, think he, yeah. I, I still think he is a decent option. That, that's the thing. Yeah. But, Even though his like finishing has been ridiculous, his underlying data still massively improved this year. Yeah, it's, and he's good value, so he's he's a good option still in general. I would say it has definitely his underlying data has has gone down a lot in the last few weeks. But I don't take like the last five weeks as particularly meaningful. You know, it could suddenly jump back up. So I think he's yeah. fine. Yeah, um, I think yeah most of the others we've we've answered anyway. Should we just chat a bit about captaincy? Um, I reckon let's chat first on triple captaincy. And if you had that, we both played our triple captain on Haaland, where I think you got eight points in the end. So 24, two game weeks ago. Mm. So neither of us had well, it. Well, la- last game week. Well, not the game we just passed, the one prior, yeah. It's two, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, you, um, if you had it still now, would you play it this week or next week? Or another game week? I'd, I'd play it on Haaland. I always had it in my mind that I was going to use Haaland. I think... He's just, an, like we mentioned at the start, he's just a phenomenon. He can score a hat-trick in any given game. Back-to-back hat-tricks. He's non-penalty, forget the actual goals, his non-penalty XGI is still mad. 
I still I see no other option but to use it on Haaland personally. Like I completely understand the Rashford and Bruno thing. They're playing very well. They're good picks. They're great games. But I think the most optimal choice is to put it on Haaland in a double game week. Yeah, I do. I do. I agree with you, but not as confidently. Like I think it's quite close. Um, but for me, the, the main reason I'd play on Haaland is even though the fixtures are worse because they've got to play Arsenal in that double game week compared to mm. the two United have, I think his quality outweighs that. But I also think that his minutes, like I've constant, I think most of us, including me, have like massively underestimated his minutes all season, expected a rotation. It's just never come. So I think he'll start both those games. I think he'll probably play like probably play 90 minutes in one of them as well and probably like 60 or 70 in the other or something like that. So I would just still play it in that game week. I still think for the same reasons you said, um, but I think it's fairly close. I think I think Rashford and Bruno are both good options this week as well. Um, I think the best time to play it was when we played it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, I've not changed my mind. Less, even less got tie on that hill. Um, <laughs> I just just want to touch on that on Haaland on the expected minutes thing. We've seen already, right? If if Man City are massively up, then they'll take him off like they did recently. It took him off on like the 60 or something minute. We had a hat trick, didn't they? Have we seen that before then? No. Yeah, we've seen him take him yeah. off. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, you almost need that perfect scenario then, or unperfect scenario, where somehow they're 3-0 up against Villa and Haaland hasn't performed and then he comes off. Like, that's probably yeah. not going to be a thing. He seems to score all their goals. So it's kind of, um, yeah, it's kind of self-serving, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't have any concerns there, really. I think it's fine. I think he'll play the vast majority of the minutes in the double game week. Yeah. I'm really surprised, actually, like... On Twitter, the I guess I guess the reason the thing I'm surprised about is to see so many people going for Rashford, even though he's still a good option. And like I've seen like no one like arguing like really strongly for Haaland. Um, but I guess because most people who would do that are the kind of players who would have played it a couple of game weeks ago, anyway. So they don't really need to because they're <laughs> they're not having to make that decision for themselves. Um, I guess that's why. And then in terms of this week, um, like for me, captaincy is just Rashford or Bruno Fernandez. Um, I've thought about it quite a bit today, um, and I think it basically comes down to how you read the penalty situation. I think because for me, it's whatever the way I look at it, it's really, really close. Um, even like go looking at review, if you adjust their minutes, like you've got to put Bruno's minutes slightly ahead if you're using that, and the difference is so minimal between the two in terms of the expected points. Um, but a lot of that will be determined by like who's potentially on penalties. And Fernandez has been on penalties for United for, um, well, the whole time, apart from when Ronaldo was at the club, and they kind of shared them a bit. Um, but there was just the one recently where where Rashford took the penalty and Bruno was on the pitch. But I feel like that was for Rashford to keep his record going of scoring in home Bruno games. Bruno gave it to him. It's quite and clear he literally, if you watch the game. Yeah, he like handed him the ball. Yeah. Like it wasn't just predetermined before the game. It was like no. Rashford asked, and he was like, yeah, go for it. So I think... Bruno is still. I, I think Bruno is on penalties, yeah. but I, I do yeah. think it's important to say, well, because that happened last time and Rashford asked and he said, yeah, yeah, okay, you can have it, that that can happen again. We've seen this so many times now with like if a player asks for it and the player, what is up to that player whether they want to give it. So, you know, if we get to the 90th minute and Rashford hasn't scored and he wants to keep his massive run going and Bruno doesn't care and he just, he might give it to him again. Like, I don't think anyone can comfortably say 100% who will take the penalty in the game week. I'll just say that I think Bruno's on them, but there's a chance he will give it to Rashford again. If depends how much you think that was like him taking it was to do with him just scoring or whether it's to do with like specifically keeping that run of games yeah, scoring, I, scoring in a row it, it could well. be but he's given one to Martial before as well I'm pretty sure 
when Marsh I think they were like three or four nil up and Martial said he yeah. was yeah, yeah. yeah so we just don't know the scenario I, th- I think I think it's just it's safe to assume that that Bruno is on them but it's just not guaranteed that he's going to take them <laughs> so yeah. and it's not an, like it is a factor but it's not something that's particularly in our control mm. so I just think I, I like Rashford as captain to be honest with you I just think he's a he's got better data more likely yeah. to be the striker I really like the games for him. You know, we said Martial's back. We know that he plays well with Martial, but at the same time, if Weghorst plays, then we've seen that Rashford's played well with Weghorst and he's more a foil as well. So I, mm. I think they both will play minutes up front between them, those two. I don't know. I don't think there's anything else that has to be said. I think Rashford's fine. I think they're both fine. And I think, I think Rashford is just better personally. Very okay. slightly. Very slightly. Okay, yeah. That's I think it's close. So I will... I will. I, I will like if I edge towards one of them, I'll go for them. But if I'm really, really completely unsure, I'm, I'll be very tempted to go for Bruno. Um, if I'm just yeah, completely fifty-fifty on it, just for um, to try and get the bigger rank rise, high risk, high reward. Yeah. Potentially. Does anyone know the situation? Well? Because Ericsson's taking a few set pieces right, and now he's out injured. So is Bruno most likely to take the set pieces now? Um. Yeah, you think so? Because he did take a lot of corners, doesn't he, Ericsson? Yeah, yeah, I'm free kick. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, their corners have been terrible for a while. I know, I'm in a group with a load of Man United fans saying that Ericsson's like helped them out massively because they've been bad, and it was Bruno on them previously. But it's just another string in his bow, isn't it? If he's taking them, that I suppose could edge it that way. If he's saying he's on penalties and set pieces over a double, it just feels like Bruno will probably pick something up over this double, as as he's just in. You know, he's got a finger in so many different pies, mm-hmm. but. Rashford yeah. is just Rashford's just the guy who could hit a, you know, a couple of braces. Yeah, he's playing absolutely brilliantly at the moment as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah, cool. Uh, don't think there's anything left to cover, left to cover mate. Shall we leave it there? Um, yeah, one other thing maybe. if if I know think people say that um, if Ericsson's out, Fred's most likely to come in and, and Bruno Fernandes stays where he is. But is there not a chance that they drop Bruno Fernandes back a little bit and then they bring in one of the other players in the front three because you've obviously got Sancho on the way back you've got Conacho you've got yeah. Anthony you've got more players available that could play in the front three positions like I don't think it will happen but if they using Fred in a centre midfield role versus Palace and Leeds just feels a bit meh maybe they want to bring Bruno back and get more creativity there or I don't know if Sabitz is like fit and available to come straight into the team that would you know quash that straight away but the are these not considerations? I don't know. I haven't watched any other pods this week from Man United fans, but yeah, no, that's a good point actually. That's worth looking into. <laughs> I'm just laughing, just laughing because I've just seen in the chat. <laughs> Gianni's just posted in the chat. Balls, I'm so late. Literally, as we're about to do the outro. <laughs> well, the good thing is, Gianni, you can watch it all back, my man. Yeah, let's catch up on Happy Valley. Nice, good show. <laughs> Christ, I think Gianni started his own YouTube channel today. Like done his first video, so go over to his channel and subscribe as well. Love that he's put he's like book signings in it and appearing on GMTV. He pops up as soon as as soon as he needs his name mentioned. Love that. <laughs> Bruno being deeper would be amazing for us on it. So it is something that's being discussed. Then I haven't looked at anything this week. I just it just came to me that it could be an option if Ericsson's out. But I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot for watching. You know the crack like subscribe all that joy share share for us if you can i think that's the main thing we're after just to reach more people in general we're not really bothered about the likes but i suppose it 
Apparently it does something for the algorithm, so that would be useful. Classic Gianni, says James, yeah. Come on, we're not going to slag him off too much. <laughs> Have I ever told you that he uh, he actually knows my brother and they went to the same school and he's from Bedford? Did I ever tell you that? Oh, well, no, I didn't know that. Just coincidentally, yeah. Yeah, Bedford's just full of fantasy royalty. We're just town full of it. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Well, we finished, actually, within... Uh, we've not been. We've still never done one less than an hour, you know. Have we not? But no, this is just over. But it means Gianni's got plenty of time to watch it back before he goes to sleep. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Catch you later, guys. See you on the next one. Good luck. Cheers, guys. Bye bye. All the best. Trouble, Captain Holland. <laughs>